Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the conversation half. We will be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Deanne. I'm Brad. And I'm Kevin. So today's sermon is talking about the Gospel of Mark. And the scripture we're looking at describes James and John approaching Jesus and asking Jesus to grant them the the reality of sitting at his right and left hand in in your glory, they say. But their plans don't exactly match God's plans. And Jesus says, you you don't even know what you're asking. And this this scripture hints at the fact that the disciples' plans were not always God's plans. And so in her sermon today, uh, our vicar, Deacon Abby, preaches about, she begins reflecting on how our plans might not end up matching reality and how our plans differ from God's plans for the world and for our life. And what to do with that, the, the reality that sometimes those are different. So to begin with, we are going to talk about plans. What's good about them? What's, what do we do when they don't go, things don't go according to plan? And how do, how do we wrestle with making plans, but also being, keeping in mind the reality that God has a bigger plan? Uh, This is very apt since I was just out hiking on Saturday. So me and my friend were spending Friday night kind of researching various locations, planning on when did we want to catch the train since the train only goes about every hour. What did we want to bring for food? How did we, where to find um, where the trail starts and that kind of stuff. But then on Saturday, once we got there, we kind of let go of needing a plan and just kind of wandered around the woods and enjoyed the space and didn't really worry about we have to be on this specific trail or we have to get to this specific point just kind of letting nature surrounding us and just enjoying each other's company Uh, and I know I can struggle with always needing a plan always needing what's needing to know what's going to happen next but just sometimes it's important to kind of let go and understand that you can relax and just be in a space yeah i mean to guess to tie into that the idea of expectations about like planning like we 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 plan for our lives you know not just events and we have uh expectations about how what we think we should be like we're these weird creatures that are created you know we have conscious states but we're always kind of twice removed we think things but then we constantly make judgments about the things we think um, yeah. And so a lot of, I think, what we do as humans or maybe fallen humans um, is we live in a state of fear. So a lot of the stuff we go through on a daily basis is comes from a place of fear. Um, and that's why we're so we can't live in the moment is because we're just we have expectations about ourselves and about our time. And I once heard an acronym, I guess, to tie all this together was that we live Fear stands for false expectations appearing real. And that can be about ourselves, our time. But then on the other side of that is we have regrets about the past, which are expectations that were unfulfilled or things that didn't go the way they were supposed to go. So I guess we talk, if we talk about stripping back these expectations and these plans and how you think things will turn out, what is kind of the reality that undergirds all of that? You know, I guess that's kind of uh, one of the things we were talking about today in the sermon was, or Abby was, was 
plans for the future and expectations are different in God's kingdom than they are for the world. I really identify with that. I guess you wouldn't call it a formula, but it's something like that. That that fear equals, let me see if I got this right. Yes. Uh, fear equals negative expectations seen as reality. Is that basically it? Yeah. So like... Um, Maybe, yeah, we instead of seeing these expectations in our entire life through these lens of these expectations yeah. is stripping away those kind of negative yeah. plannings that we do subconsciously yeah. formed by our environment and just kind of seeing things for as they are and like withholding judgment. So instead of just letting our subconscious kind of make those judgments yeah. and live into the habits which with, with which we were formed yeah. and just become kind of conscious and aware of things and becoming aware is the hardest part you mm-hmm. know? yeah and being aware without judgment yeah i i don't it i don't know if it's exactly the same thing but i identify with that a little bit because sometimes in life i, I struggle with anxiety and in my research on that and just seeking resources for that i've i've learned something about you know when you're when you're approaching a situation or an event that's giving you anxiety you you identify your your whatever expectations you're most afraid of and then challenge them and say well if that really happened how much life you know how much worse would my life really be or what really is the likelihood of that happening and, and stuff like that and um yeah so it just reminded me of that and that's that's something that's been useful for me. But when we talk about plans, the first thing that came to mind for me in Abby's sermon um, was she was talking about planning a vacation with her wife. And and so I immediately related with my experience of going on family vacations with my family. So I mean, I'm, I've gone on a bunch when I was a kid. I'm a grown adult now, but still will plan vacations with my family, my sister and my parents. And but because we're all adults now, we all have, uh, we've all figured out our own approaches, like particularly, you know, now instead of me and my sister just kind of getting like carried along and being, okay, we're going this way now. Like now we've gone on our own trips and we have our own approaches to traveling. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, planning these trips, um, is always an interesting experience. And then if problems arise in the trip, we all approach it a different way. (laughs) And so I definitely relate to like, sometimes planning the trip can be more fun than, than being on the trip because when plans don't go right, it, it became it very easily kind of like spoils things for us or we let it spoil it. We let it ruin it. It doesn't, doesn't even necessarily have to, but like we, we can feel like it does when things are go contrary to our expectations. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that ties into faith somehow, but I'm not sure, sh- but I'm not sure. Do you guys see a connection? I guess I see a connection with one phrase that Pastor Danielle uses a lot, which is God is God and I am not. Because part of kind of planning is if I can plan everything perfectly, the idea that I will then be able to control how the situation will roll out, Mm -hmm. which is not true. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that ties in, you know, the phrase, you know, we find our own strength and power and powerlessness. Um, is a phrase that Abby used today, and we were kind of more talking in the context of the actual gospel phrase or a gospel text today. But um, I, I guess that once we let go of those expectations, like you feel liberated to do what you have to do. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more I let go of expectations, generally the happier I am. And the more responsive I am to not only like changes, but also opportunities. Yes. Yeah. And like, you know, plans and like anxiety over them can also kind of cloud your mind and give you tunnel vision and you miss things that are great and right in front of you, either that are things that could bring you joy or things that are open doors and opportunities and you're missing them because you're so set on your plan. And, uh, yeah, so I, I bring that up to also say like, things not going according to plan doesn't always mean that they go awry. It doesn't mean a bad thing. Like things can not go according to plan in, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and often does. I mean, I think it goes both ways. Brad, you were talking about planning, not in the terms of like events, but in terms of life. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes I've made plans for the future, but little do I know that like an opportunity is coming my way that is like, the events are unfolding unbeknownst to me and it eventually reaches me and it changes everything. And it's like, okay, now I got to consider this. Um, I don't know if you guys have had experiences like that before. I mean, you know, life trajectory exchange and I didn't think I would end up doing what I do for a profession, but like an opportunity arose and it's like, Oh, I, I mean, I work with, I'm in publishing, but I never thought I would be doing that. I thought I would be doing something different. So so, so how did that, how did that opportunity arise? Through people, through faithful people, through friends, um, and kind of in community, like people that I knew through seminary said, you know, well, my wife works in publishing. Why don't you, um, just move to the city? And I took a leap of faith and did an internship and then they thought I did a banging job. So, you know, I interviewed for a yeah. couple positions and got one. So, uh, at the company and I've been there for 10 months now. So I started in January, but, um, full time after that, just leap of faith moving to the city with nothing, but like kind of just, I need a distraction while I figure out what I want to do with my life. And then fortuitously, providentially, um, if we're, if we're operating on by chance or by faith, I don't know, (laughs) but, um, the, the stars aligned, um, and it just happened. And, I didn't have expectations really for that. And that, that was kind of strange for me because normally I, I had a very clear idea of what I wanted to be an academic and didn't work out and for many reasons. And coming out of that, it's just being like, whoa, life's different. Yeah. yeah. That's not a bad thing. It's not. It definitely is. I have this experience uh, that I remember going on, on a hike and like I keep coming back to it and seeing it in my mind's eye when it comes to like going through life. Yeah. It it seems like a great metaphor to me. Um, and we were, it was like the the longest hike of my life. It was so long. Uh, my friends were on it. I was with my family. We were hiking up mammoth mountain and it was one of those hikes where like you would, you would see, you'd be looking up this big hill and you would see the top and you'd be like, awesome that's the top and you hike up towards it you'd have your end in sight and then you slowly like as you're starting to get to the top your view changes and you see in the distance there's another hill rising up that you couldn't see before and that happened like consecutively like five times like it was like are you kidding me again but i i think of it all the time both with like approaching new subjects or challenges like usually 
when you start, you have a limited view of how big the project really is. And when you get into it, you pass that first hill or hump and you see, oh, this is actually how high we need to go. Uh, but I also think with like life's path, like at any one, because we are human at any one moment in time, we have to understand that we have a limited view. And we're not God. We're not God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you don't know everything that's happening. So whether a good opportunity is coming your way or, um, you know, or, you know, a sickness or something, something challenging, like we just cannot anticipate everything. And that's part of the nature of life. And it brings joys and challenges. I guess the, the one thing that we could we'd talk about is this uh, dichotomy that comes up with the gospel text of seeking glory and where we place, where we re- derive status and what the state of honor and its contrary shame kind of where they come from. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, I thought it, it was interesting with the, the idea within the text itself and how, you know, understanding how the the Jewish community in the Second Temple period would have understood becoming a slave of all as being a slave, a very shameful thing. Um, and, and then one being subservient to Roman domination. So honor was something to sit at one's right and one's left. You know, the place of honor is at the right. Um, so that's why James and John wanted to be at the left and right hand of yeah, Jesus, yeah. you know, up on their thrones. They, they wanted their like, position with Jesus to, almost, to be like a status symbol. Yeah, and I mean, the question yeah. of, like, status in our culture, too, like, people, if, you, if you're, like, on Tinder, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and you're swiping left and swiping right, I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, but you're like, okay, where did this person go to school? What do they do? Not only are they attractive, but, you know, and then how many times do you actually click on the info button to look and read the rest of their profile? Mm. And, um, mm. and so, like, yeah. looking, I think the one thing is, like, looking at, like, do we see what this person does as honorable or as shameful, you know, speaks very much about our society, maybe our capitalistic expectations. You are what Mm -hmm. you do. Um, yeah. Drawing back to a conversation the three of us had had earlier this year. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, perhaps like what Jesus is saying is, uh, you know, ironically shame, what is shameful isn't shameful. It's powerful. It brings freedom that you don't realize you have. You're no longer captive to yourself, but um, servant to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing Abby was diving into was kind of Martin Luther's perspective on this was as Christians, you are kind of given the ultimate freedom, and but you still choose to be a slave or a servant. And I think that's an important first step is the freedom um, because I too often see in churches kind of this almost this jump directly to servitude and making that its own status in that like because you fit this you must do it this way or people always Mm -hmm. must live in this specific manner Uh, and so then kind of almost forcing servitude but then not but not having that piece of choice in it. And I think that's an important part is it's not necessarily more holy to be a slave, but to the choice in being a servant or a slave to people. The fact that it's optional and you choose to serve people. Yes. That's what it is. You don't have to, you chose to. Yeah. 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 That's an important distinction. 
it's tied to that, and this is this goes. I don't mean to go back to status kind of thing, but the idea that um, you know, one thing we talk about online and, and digital culture is you know virtue signaling. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm so humble. I you know look what I what I did. I visited. Um, I don't want to say third world because that's not a good term at all. <laughs> but on um, the or developing one that's not as financially secure or stable. <laughs> I'm trying. We're trying struggling What's for vocabulary, <laughs> but. You go and then you take pictures, then you post them on a profile somewhere. And is that really to show and to to encourage people to do things like you did to help these people, or is it just a way to show what you conceive as humility to be humility and virtue? And you know, people appreciate those qualities, and you're using it to really elevate your own social status. Yeah. yeah. So, does servanthood in that context? Um, are you really serving the needs of others, or are you serving your, the needs of yourself at the end yeah. of the day? And I mean, there's a give and take because you find peace and joy in servanthood, but um, and in humility. And I think that's kind of the paradox of the gospel. But um, mm-hmm. doing it without hypocrisy is the kind of the it's the challenge. It's the challenge. It's, challenge. it's not wanting to show it off. Yeah. Yeah, I know uh, there's a podcast I listen to called Failed Missionary. And so it's talking all about uh, former missionaries who are talking about their experiences and talking about kind of this industry that's built around making white or people from the developed world feel good about themselves and about what they're doing and what they're bringing mm-hmm. to this other country without respecting the humanity of the people they're going to serve. Yeah. So it's this like kind of false servitude. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really it's really interesting. I need to check out the podcast. It is. It is. Um, I I have a conundrum of this on my mind right now looking at the future because um at some point in the near future we have, we have two sister churches we're connected to here at Advent, one in El Salvador and one in Tanzania. That's newer. And um, we're going to have, we'll have groups of Advent members traveling to both in the, in the nearest future. And I'd love to be able to participate in those trips. And because I do communications for the church, there's immediately this temptation to like, to capture the trip in this new exotic place and yada, yada. And, you know, being someone who's interested in photography, I'm, I'm immediately like interested in that. But then I have to question like, am I making this experience and these people I'm meeting, am I turning them into like subjects for like an artistic venture? Is it, is the camera going to inhibit really getting to know people? Hmm. Is it going to put people into a fishbowl and, you know, and then you're sending it back to Advent being like, look at all these people and the great things that we're doing. I don't know how I'm, I'm trying to figure out for myself how to like tell a story of that relationship in a, like in a, uh, way that really up up is fair and just and, uh, and uplifts both communities and doesn't create like a imbalance of, of power and humanity between the two groups. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's, that's, it's, that's, it's that's crazy. It's really interesting, and I, I I think about it in a different way too. Um, like it, it, with that particular, you know, idea is like if you, if we think about you know living in being a church in New York City, it's 
this is a very secular environment and the places that Christianity is actually growing and thriving are these developing countries, yeah. um, El Salvador and Tanzania, like these are the Christian communities that are thriving. Um, our, our church is thriving. That's not to say it's not, yeah. but as far as just as far as numbers um, and um, the direction Christianity is going demographically speaking, um, it's, it's, it, I think it's more a way of also documenting the fact that these groups of people are experiencing Christ in a real way. Um, and mm-hmm. maybe the, the time of Western Christendom is over, quote unquote, but yeah. um, the world is still um, subject to Christ. I don't know if we want to use that phrase. It's very... Very like but, old school yeah, but, king subject. Yeah, language. but like, I mean, it's Lord of all creation, Lord yeah. of the nations. So. Yeah, and I think... You know, if we're if we're truly to view ourselves as you know the children of God and all children of God and the you know one one church in Christ, one body, like that, you know, I think we should we should be excited to see the Lutheran faith taking a new direction, and that the world is connected enough that we get to be you know everyone can be part of it in a way, um, and that's. And that's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I think it's it's so important to to recognize that like I mean, it, first of all, in the Lutheran Church globally, like the when you think of Lutherans in the United States as being like white Scandinavian people, like that's the minority globally of Lutherans in the world. Oi, really really? <laughs> <laughs> and the fastest growing Lutheran church is I th- I'm pretty sure is in Tanzania actually. Um and so like what what do we have to learn? Like, you know, this is a place where clearly like faith is so strong and contagious and, you know, their community might be being approached in a completely different way that we have lost or have have never been able to find in a New York context where we have a lot, it's just a very different context and it's not inherently better or worse or it's very different. And uh, coming back to, to being a servant and that, I've never responded to what you said, Deanne, about that this idea that Luther talks about that we're freed to to be a servant, and that it's important because that there's space that we make a choice to serve others. It's not like we're being it's not expected or we're not forced into it. And I always struggle with that because it seems like a it's just it's just counterintuitive. Why would I? be freed and be a servant at the same time. Like it's, it seems like a paradox. And, um, yeah, it took, it took me a while to kind of understand what that looks like in real life. And in 2018 in a society that I would describe as very individualist, myself included, I think about myself a lot. Look what I was talking about when we started (laughs) personal expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Personal expectations and our personal plans and yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, both I think ingrained it's I think it's expected of us um and but anywho for me what that looks like today in our society being free to serve is being in a place mentally and spiritually where you feel like your own your own needs are taken care of enough and you're you're okay enough to have the time and the headspace to suddenly look and see other people and see their needs and have time to 
to be there for them and whether that's your friend or a stranger. And I think it's a matter of the reality of like what's going on in your life and how much, how much have you committed to and your expectations are real. And also a lot of it's in our heads. So it's a mindset, but you know, I think while we value individualism, I think a lot of us would love to get to a place where we feel like we have enough space and time in our lives to care for other people. I think most people really want to do that. Maybe I'm an, I'm an optimist too, but I think we just feel like we're all, a lot of us feel like we're treading water in our own, we're all caught up in our own shit. I can't, I can't think of a better way to say it. Maybe it's, you know, it's kind of tied to this wider cultural malaise, I guess, among millennials. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm just putting a label on it because I guess we're on the, the web more and putting our feelings out there. But just we, we feel lonely, you know, people, people want technology has driven us it's not just a tool, it's become integrated into our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's but it's isolated many of us, and we feel more lonely. But um, I'm trying to get to this idea that was talked about in the sermon was that as Christians, um, it's not necessarily being defined by status or things we accumulate or our individual expectations, but finding worth in community. Mm. Um, and that can be found as in servanthood to others in community. And so that that's kind of what I was, uh, a Christian community can afford you that, um, yeah. where you might not necessarily find it in other contexts. So I guess wrenching ourselves from our devices and from our interior <laughs> lives and putting ourselves on uh, level footing um, to be free is found in relationship rather than mm. um, a screen. <laughs> and by this ties into making plans, I think, because because by entering into relationships and community, you're always giving up some control. Yes, like you can't plan everything anymore. Having having planned some events here at the church, I know that like the event happens and people will always show up with stuff you don't expect. And you can view it as a negative or it can be great. Like I planned an event and um, one of our members showed up with a speaker and a microphone. I didn't expect it to show up, but I was like, great, can I play music? Yep. Okay. Now we have music. Like, it, yeah, like the, those things can be with the wrong mindset. They can throw you off and seem negative of like, oh, I didn't, this wasn't part of my plan. Like everyone needs to fall in line, but like, that's not how it goes. And that can be, that can be a great thing and enhance the overall experience for everyone. And I think that applies then to like life. And relationships have their own uh, time and effort needed and challenges, but I think they, I think they're worth it. Yeah, no, it's it's this funny mix of talking about planning and community because uh, I was talking to my friend and thinking about what kind of life I want to live in the future and what kind mm. of community I want to make around me. Mm. Um, and some more with her, since we both don't necessarily want to fall into the typical nuclear family model that American society has created. And so then what does creating family and creating community outside of that look like? Uh, and how can in like community and hospitality and helping people and being a support to people and a support system. Like for her, she's really interested in having foster children and we're close enough that I'm like, yes, I want to be an aunt to your children. I want to be a support to you and your children. And that's awesome. (laughs) It's 
all about making plans for the future, but it's yeah, it's, it's long term plans. <laughs> yeah, but it's maybe not. <laughs> yeah, more long term than not. Uh, but it's the idea of getting out of the nuclear family bubble and how do you create a community um, with people in various stages of their life and not falling into that exact model. And I feel like that can be very enriching to your life because then you're able to rely on one another and not have the expectation of I need to be able to do it all. But together as a community, we will be able to do it all. Hmm. And then power dynamics are different, right? So you're no longer, you know, or you don't have a hierarchy of like, this person is the most important in my life versus this person. I mean, we all have those kind of things. And that's, I guess, yeah. what happens in your 20s and 30s as you marry, you're, you spend more time with your spouse or partner. And then, you know, your friendships sometimes go by the wayside if your priorities yeah. change with kids. But it's, it's just the idea of, um, I guess, finding, uh, seeing people on a more level field and yeah i don't that what i, I was gonna that. say was going yeah. on more yeah no i think these breaking some of those structures i think comes something that comes along with it is a more level power dynamic that also makes me think you know unfortunately the church has a history of creating a community that doesn't creating community that doesn't allow people to be who they are or in the fullness of who they are or doesn't allow flexibility in the structures of what that community looks like. But I think and believe we're at a time now where the church is reforming. Hey, we're hitting Reformation Sunday in a couple of weeks. Good timing. But, but, you know, I think one of the things we're working on at Advent is what does it look like to have a community that doesn't doesn't fit that like that age old and, and like one one example where I talk about with this older format is so we did we made a photo directory a couple of years ago we hi, we outsourced like a, a Minnesota company that does like church directories to do it and they sent us all these posters to advertise it and on every poster it was just like this like white four person family like father mother two kids and like that was all they had. They didn't have any posters with single people. They didn't have any posters with like any diversity. Like, and th- to me, I see that like that's my kind of the image in my head when I think of like that that more old fashioned community model of churches. Like everyone brings their fam- nice family, standard family un- unit to church, and like you know they all talk and interact in certain ways. And but I mean that was never reality uh, it was you know there were people being left left out in that i think so what does it look like to create community where really everyone is let in and allowed to to change the to change what it looks like i guess is my question what's the what's the future of community at church say on this side of eternity or the other side you know yeah <laughs> For me, it's church's one place of community. But what I think should be happening is there should be many different places of community Mm. and in different kind of circles and friend groups and different kinds of relationships that you find community. Uh, And then church is one part of those. Yes. Got it. Yeah. 
I mean, again, not going back to the same thing where one person or one thing isn't your everything. Your spouse isn't your everything. Your church isn't your everything. Yeah. yeah. If we use Luther's phrasing again, you're, uh, you can be, as a Christian, you can be the Lord of all. Lord meaning like uh, he's speaking in terms of feudal Lord, <laughs> uh, not like uh, Lord of all and all free, powerful, yeah, yeah. but um, you know, you can also be try to meet the needs of all and so that's not necessarily as a christian as somebody baptized and born again through the waters of baptism that's you know you are free but you're also you know you're serving all not just micro communities so i mean you find meaning in those places but um we're supposed to kind of create um community throughout the world yeah that sounded super preachy but no (laughs) it's helpful Yeah, I guess for me, like church is the place where I find the most like sense of the most expansive sense of community. So that's why that's like the first thing you think in my mind. Yeah. And I think it does have a unique nature in that it's much more um, intergenerational than many other spaces in our lives. Uh, Is that I tend to hang out with a lot of people who are in their 20s or their 30s. Yeah. But then church as an opportunity to kind of expose many different people to many different kinds of people and working to make it open and accessible to all those people. And and I think like reflective of all those people, you know, like what it, what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess like my friend group would be the, the second one, but like I don't think of that as community. It's like, you know. Like my core friend group is like 10 people. It doesn't feel big enough for like, I don't know. It seems different, but maybe I should. So should we go around and say what we're going to do differently this week? As long as I go last. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start off. Uh, I want to, in thinking about the future and the kind of life I want to cultivate, I think two important values that I want to be thinking about are community and hospitality and what role do those things play in my life and also remembering that values can take practice in how to improve or live those out in my life so i'm gonna i'm gonna take my platter and put it in the trash can (laughs) i'm not gonna do that that's too extreme i I wish we all could do that That right awesome um no, I won't. I mean, I think, I think plans are still good, but it's like, I, I, I guess I'll just work on planning without like clinging to them. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like they're there and it's helpful of viewing it as just like a helpful tool, but not something that you have to be bound to. I think there's like a freedom in that of not being bound to your plans, um, but being open to the, where the spirit's moving and, and what the needs of people around you are and all that stuff. Um, I guess I, I'm going to keep going uh, something we touched on a little bit. Um, and the sermon did too, is this dynamic or this dichotomy, I think, between something we're going to be doing different per se, but thinking differently is about um, honor and shame and which things in our lives kind of, um, or I think, signify those kind of ethical states you know, because I think when I look around, you know, sometimes I subconsciously make judgments about other people that I mm-hmm. say, you know, I say, oh, that's 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 shameful. That's full of shame. Mm-hmm. That's honorable. 
um, and kind of seeing the the paradoxes that are inherent in our faith um, and maybe my expectation for what is honorable is wrong. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. You can email us at podcast at adventnyc.org or join our Facebook group, Advent Sermons and Conversations, to join the discussion. Our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.